You're listening to Think. It's like think, but with an M instead of an N. A podcast for learning. Uh, I'm your host, Nicholas Rue, introducing this, of all episodes, episode 65. And with me is none other than Paul Vine. I'm your co-host, Paul Vine. That's kind Same of Werner Herzog. No, that, that? that was that was supposed to be kind of like an Irish accent, but I don't know what Irish people sound. Do like. it again. I'm your co-host, uh, Paul Vine. That's good. I was working on like um, before. Uh, so we're doing. Uh, I was working on like a song to introduce it, where um, you know how how like to get an accent down, you have to have like a cornerstone like word or right. Sound. So, so you're doing like this like. Irishman. No, Irishman. I was, mine for Irish is flittery, flittery. I think it's easier to oh, do fl- it when you flattery. say flittery, flittery. Okay. And so I was trying to do like flittery, flittery, fiddle dee dee. It's an Irishman life for me. Okay, then you started getting into more of like a piratey. Well, yeah, you know, it's not. I mean, I'm not. A, I'm not. No, we don't get paid enough for me to take. Uh, we don't make enough money. We don't make any coaches. money off this. Yeah, to take dialect coach to hire on a dialect coach that's a have you watched those videos i think like yeah wait hold on real quick if you want us to hire a dialect coach please go to patreon.com slash think and sign up you know (laughs) if we get uh man i can think of we we can have money the first thing we're gonna do is get a dialect coach yeah i can think of no uh quicker way for me to get fired from any job uh and or potentially ruin my life than to have uh, several hours a week spent um, with a dialect coach. How, first of all, how would that ruin your job? Um, because I feel I already do this really bad thing where I'll just like slip into vague accents mm-hmm. occasionally without meaning to. And then if I'll just sli- kind of ride the wave. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I get good at doing those accents because I've taken a lot of lessons from a, a Broadway slash Hollywood um, approved dialect coach. Those are the only two places that they have acting, Hollywood and Broadway. Uh, yeah, it would probably be over for me because I feel like what would happen is I'd, I'd get like, I would do like a Cockney. I'd try to get real and deep into Cockney um, and then start learning all the rhyming slang that yeah. may or may not be real. I, um, I was watching Twin Peaks The Return uh, and there's a part where a British character says, um, I, I'm not going to do the accent. He says, I snapped his Gregory. And it took me a sec, but do you know what that is? Uh, Gregory Peck. Neck. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was like, hey, I get it. I get it. Apples and pears. Yeah. I, I, that's the one I know. Apples from, and stairs. It's the one I know from playing, uh, uh, killing floor. Is one of the one of the voice commands you can spam is get up them apples. Nice, which is a, f- a lot of fun to spam, and then also dash here. What's dash here? Dash, like money. Dash here. Is that a British thing? Yeah, like dash. You know, you know Harry uh, Enfield. He was like yeah. a comedian. He mm-hmm. did he did like a novelty song called uh, "Doing Up the House." Um, Man, and he talks ne- about Dosh. I've never heard that one before. Uh, that, if you want to embark on a 4 a.m. YouTube journey, uh, you just, know I do. just watch the music you know, video. You know, I can't not. 
because it's good. Hey, Paul, you know who's better than um, the British? The Irish. The Irish. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about our Golden Golden Globe nominee. Golden Globe. The Irishman. Irishman. Merton Scorsese. Irishman. A simple tale of uh, a blue-eyed truck driver who, through befriending Joe Pesci, uh, lives a, kill, kills people. He paints and houses. Went, and he gets sad. So... when You know, when I was young, I thought that house painters just painted houses. I always wanted to be a house painter. That's ever since I was a kid. Yeah, that's Goodfellas. Wow, oh. that's different. You watch um, Goodfellas? No, man, I haven't seen Goodfellas. I need to. What? Um, you know that uh, twenty-seven actors in Goodfellas were also in The Sopranos. Really? Yeah, I mean that's the pool. You know that was a, that was a question of trivia the other night that we did not get correct. Twenty-seven. You know who was in The Sopranos that wasn't in uh, Goodfellas? Doctor Doolittle. Lil Steven, Steve Van Zandt, guitarist for uh, the E Street Band. Oh, Led Zeppelin, yeah. <laughs> you know, Led Zeppelin and the E Street Band. That um, one's uh, New Jersey's own Led Zeppelin. Zeppelin yeah. Uh, so, the first things first, this based off a book. Yeah. A book that has been thoroughly discredited, I guess, at this point. Yeah. I mean, who, who, who's good? Hey, if the movie's. If the movie's three and a half hours long, how long's that dang book? It's probably like three and a half inches long. Jeez, that's how, wait. How which one's length on a book? Um, height, the t- width. <laughs> I guess depth? width. How thi- how thick's that book? Uh it's probably actually they had a copy of it at Half Price Books the other day. I think it's like an inch thick. All right, but I don't know how big. You know, that could be like huge writing. Yeah, that 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 text could be anywhere from a millimeter big to a, a like three inches. A hundred point font, you know. Yeah, just like the opening scene in the movie where it says, "I heard you." They do the Burma shave. I heard you paint houses thing. That's how it could be on every page of the book. The what? The Burma shave. It's like the old. Uh, it's an old. I guess like 50s, 60s, maybe 70s thing. Uh, it was a shaving cream company. And their advertisements, um, they'd put multiple signs out by the road. So it would like tell a, a sentence or, or spe- have a jingle as you drove by. Okay. Um, it was a big culture. It was a thing like I know from um, Tom Waits songs. Sure. So the, yeah, it, the book is called... Quote, I heard you paint houses, end quote. Frank, quote, the Irishman, end quote, Sheeran. And the inside story of the mafia, the Teamsters, and the last ride of Jimmy Hoffa. Which is a way better title than the Irishman. They should have that whole thing. Yeah. Because, you know, you watch the movie and you're like, who's who's... It who's takes the, you so, I, it, it, who's does, the Irish man? Does he even ever, ever say he's Irish? Yeah. I mean, he does. He does do that. He, does, he says, hey, hey, guys. Hey, Netflix audience. It's he, me. 
Frank. Yeah, Matthew. Matth- Irishman Sheeran. I'm Irish. Matthew, Matthew Broderick alert. style. And he, he's Ferris Bueller. He comes. He he wheels himself out into the center of the nursing home and says, "What are you still doing here? I thought everyone had abandoned me, either by death or by me being a bad father. But let me tell you how I killed my best friend, Jimmy Hoffa." Wow. Well, uh, if you were expecting us to go ahead and warn you about spoilers, uh, it's too late. Spoiler alert: Jimmy Hoffa's dead. I mean, you, he was. Th- you already mentioned the title. He doesn't. You think me and I, I, Jimmy Hoffa's just going to be about him hanging out with Jimmy Hoffa? No, it's the last. We all know how no, the Jimmy Hoffa story it's the ends. The last, the last ride of Jimmy Hoffa. That doesn't necessarily mean that yeah, he's dead. Yeah, because he shoot. Oh, you, he. What's he just walk now? He, yeah, he got scared of cars. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, he had a bad. He had a bad car ride. Hey, real quick, I just want to, I looked up the Burma Shave things, and I want to read them to you, because I think oh, they're boy. good, before we get back into it. Um, Is this the thing that'll help for me to have visual? It seems like it'll help. I mean, I'm just going to read it, yeah, I guess. Um, but so it'd be each one where it's, proper distance to him was bunk, pulled him out of some guy's trunk, Burma Shave. I like this next one a lot. He lit a match to check gas tank. That's why they call him Skinless Frank. Burma shave. Oh, okay. I see. So it's like you should have bought a squirrel. What's you should have bought a squirrel? Um, that's from the um the movie uh uh Rat Race. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. God. <laughs> Before they right, plummet off the cliff. Yeah, we got we got a rat race reference in early. That's that's perfect. The one who drives when he's been drinking depends on you to do his thinking. Burma shave. A man a miss, a car a curve. He kissed the miss and missed the curve. Ooh, it's good. I like. I love these. I I kind of wish I saw more of these. I feel like uh, it'd be like a return to. Oh, do they even make Burma shave anymore? No, it's it's amazing. No one's brought that brand and tried to reintroduce it as like a vintage thing. Oh, I got one. Um. I found one that's good here. Okay. Um, Raped while dying and still no arrests. How come Chief... Will- oh, that's from Three Billboards. It's Never mind. It's amazing that, that you... God damn it. I was literally pulling that up to do yeah, the you same not, yeah. joke. <laughs> uh, uh, that, did, you ever, did I ever tell you about... Um, Sarah once told me about having a dream... About seeing a billboard that says, uh, that just said Foghorn Leghorn. (laughs) Like she like, she like woke up and told me once that like that she had a dream where she just said, saw a billboard that said that. And I was at work and it was right after three billboards came out. So I, I did a a mock up of the billboards and the first one just said Foghorn. Second one said Leghorn. The third one said Foghorn Leghorn. That's good, man. Like I want there to I I want to find a billboard that just says Falkhorn Leghorn. He's it would back. Be, it would be 2020. So Falkhorn Leghorn's back. Yeah. You don't want to know where he's been. You're gonna find out. They're yeah. doing a gritty reboot of Falkhorn Leghorn. Yeah. Uh, ever since he met Joe Pesci, Falkhorn Leghorn's been getting into some uh, rough business. <laughs> so Falkhorn Leghorn, blue-eyed Falkhorn Leghorn, is driving his truck, a meat truck. It's his very meat Im- truck. Me- very important that it's meat. He's a meat man. 
Are we going to do a summary of the entire three and a half hour movie? I mean, uh, okay. I, I can do this in like 10 sentences. Okay. I'm counting. All right. Sentence one. Frank befriends. Who the it, fuck is Frank? Frank the Irishman Sheeran, played there by Robert go. De Niro. All right. Befriends uh, Joe Pesci's character, whose name I do not remember. It's great. All right, that's one sentence. Um, who works for? No, this is this is some more sentences. Part of the same sentence. Uh, who works for Angela Bruno? You have to. You have to. You have to start over and use punctuation from the beginning. Frank. Quotation mark. The Irishman. End quotation mark. Sheeran, comma, who drives a meat packing truck. End comma. Befriends Joe Pesci's character. Joe Pesci apostrophe s character. Russell Buffalino. Russell Buffalino. Um, through his brother, played by Ray Romano. Alfred Buffalino. I think his name was Alfred. It's Bill. Bill. Alfred. Bill. They're like the same. All right, <laughs> I give up. You know what? It's a really long movie. Yeah. Hey, Steve Van Sant is in this movie. How did I not notice him? Um, anyway, the point is, is that Frank Frank befriends some mobster people by delivering them meat, and he starts doing some jobs for him. And sometimes he does some jobs for some other people. Uh, he beats the shit out of a grocer because he touched his daughter. Not re- he pushed his daughter. Yeah, he shoved her. Um. And then he becomes friends with Jimmy Hoffa. Don't push me, cause I work in your store. My dad will come stomp your hand really hard. <laughs> yeah, that is it. That's that's my that's my Irishman rap from the perspective of uh, his daughter. Yeah, it's Peggy. So Pe- Peggy Sheeran, yeah. So, I mean, the plot is. Robert De Niro gets in, gets involved with the mob, becomes friends with Jimmy Hoffa, and not not just any mob, the Philadelphia crime family. If you are an avid thimk, thimker, or as you may call it, thimk listener, you may know that one of the best episodes we have ever done was about the Philly mob. Right, uh, Golden Globe nominated, Emmy nominated, a Tony nominated. The stage um, version is still being written. It's being NAF- NAFTA award winning. I didn't even know that the North American Free Trade Agreement gave out awards, but we won it. Uh, Nick- Nick- Teen's Choice Award for um, Best Kiss theme episode. <laughs> you can hear it. Philly, uh, Philly crime mob. And now, we so watching this movie, you know, it pops up and it's like all your, all your Angel- favorite, all your Angelo Bruno, Phil, Phil Philip the, the Chicken Man, Chicken Man. Def- Man, that'd be great if we said that. We almost said that at the same time. Close. Who they did blow up in Philly, but this movie at some point gets out of Philly, which I'll say that's when it loses me. Because it goes to Chicago. It goes to Chicago. Yeah, that's okay. where I am. I don't see. I don't see any. I don't see Al Pacino out here. You don't see Jimmy Hoffa? No, never. Al Pacino's Jimmy Hoffa is good. 
Alpacino's great. Al Pacino hasn't had a good role in a long time. And he's like, Al Pacino is, is, is like what Nicolas Cage could and I hope will be. He was Just, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, apparently. Yeah, he was, but he had a real small role and he wasn't great in it. He just played the 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 guy's agent. Oh, okay. And I and I think he was in it for maybe a minute tops. Oh, he was in Jack and Jill. Yeah, no, that's the big thing. Have you not seen that clip? No, man. Why? Oh would my I, god! Why you would should I look it up. It, it's amazing. So, so the thing is that um, Jack, played by Adam Sandler, because we're talking about a real movie here, Jack and Jill. Forget this Irish man garbage. Um, it uh, it has Adam Sandler as Jack, a um, advertising exec, or you know, he works in in, in marketing, uh, and they designed a campaign for Dunkin' Donuts about the Dunkachino, which is where uh, Al Pacino goes to. Uh, the scene at the end is Al Pacino goes to a Dunkin' Donuts and says, "Can I get a Dunkachino?" They're like, "Oh my God, it's Al Pacino!" And he's like, "No, now my name's Dunkachino." And then he does like a little song and dance where they sing a song about the Dunkachino. Yeah. See, while you were talking about that, I watched a clip where you were he, studying the blade. He, I know he. Well, you're not incorrect. Al Pacino just taught. Uh, Adam Sandler in drag how to play stickball. Sorry, which one was in Adam Sandler was in drag? Yes. Because he was Jill. Yes. As Jill, he, he was, taught Jill he, how to play stickball. He was character acting. Um, yeah, that movie doesn't look good. Um you know what movie was pretty it's, good? Uh The Irishman? Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty good. I would say it's um, really an, uh, a high point for Al Pacino's later career to go from the lows of Jack and Jill to the highs of The Irishman. So the the thing in this movie that wait, buddy, real quick, did you know that in uh, last year in two thousand eighteen that um, Al Pacino? starred uh in the television drama film paterno as the titular role yeah he played joe, of paterno. joe paterno i do yeah really mm-hmm. have you seen this no i haven't it's on uh h was it on hbo i feel like it was yeah yeah i could see al pacino as a as a good joe paterno yeah I I remember seeing that and being like, I cannot even believe that they're making a movie about Joe Paterno. Um, Joe Pa. Bad guy. Well, it does look like they at least bring up the fact that like Joe Paterno definitely was told about uh, Jerry, Jerry Sandusky. What's the guy's name? Yeah, Jerry Sandusky mm-hmm. assaulting kids and Joe Paterno just kind of like covered it up or ignored it. Oh, yeah. So it's just like, hey, buddy, don't do that. It says in this, I, I want to see. It says an actor without a um, Wikipedia page played Jerry Sandusky. So I guess no one wanted that role. Yeah, he has not been in anything else. It's it's the same <laughs> name as a baseball player. Yeah. Yes, but uh, Jim Johnson was in a movie after that called. Destiny Smile, which is on, doesn't have enough 
reviews to say how good it is so that's never a good sign and the short called um <laughs> fighting chance written and directed by a man named bruce wabbit which is the coolest <laughs> which is just the cutest last name i've ever seen okay bruce wabbit oh he's from new zealand so um by the way the conceit of this real quick sidebar that we're we're this is gonna this episode's gonna be three and a half hours long right I mean, I'm trying to go down all these avenues. I'm trying to... What I'm trying to capture is really the full life the of life, this film. Yeah, the life of... Um, and and Jim, the many characters within it. James Hoffa. And, uh, jo- Joey Chestnut. Isn't that the eating guy? Robert Kennedy. Joey Chestnut's the, the eating champion, right? David Ferry, crazy Joe. You know, there's a lot of Joes in this there's movie. A, a lot of what was the one guy? Snake Eyes. What was his name? Snake Eyes. Skinny Razor. No, there's Skinny Razor. There's a guy with his uh, eyes. There was a uh, Tommy Saul, t- Tommy Saul, Two Eyes. Saul Bug Eyes or whatever. Sally Sally Bug Eyes, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Sally Bugs. Yeah. Salvatore Bregulio. I've just Googled bugs. Irishman bugs. <laughs> you know, it really is helpful. Like, There's 488 people in this movie. So if you wanted to do yeah. a deep dive into... and Everyone? My, yeah, my favorite thing about this film, probably overall, is the fact that um, it would just introduce you to mob characters and then it would do a quick freeze frame... To mm-hmm. say, like, who it was and then how they were definitely murdered by the mob. That's great. It's like the ending of American Graffiti, but just throughout the movie from yeah. the beginning. Which all, like, all movies sh- should have. Yeah, it was great. And, and it really worked here because, like, he would meet these people and then never see them again. Yeah, there's no there's no room for them to come back up. Right, so it's just like, hey, just so you know, here's Philip the Chicken Man Testa. Uh, he was blown up when they sent a bomb to his house. And Bruce Springsteen's going to write a song about him. I'd like if they did, if they also had, you know, in parentheses, Bruce Springsteen wrote a song about this guy. Click here to listen more. You know, if it was like, it was nice to have like a pop-up video element in this movie. Yeah. And like, more movies should have that. Like, you know, like the... Uh, um like Amazon has that thing where if you pause it, it'll tell you the all X-ray. the actors. Yeah. yeah, it was like that. It was great. You're like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen to this guy, and then this guy, it turns out, um, was liked by everyone, and then died of old age. That one was nice. Um, hey, you're making a Robert De Niro face right now. You looking at pictures of De Niro? You trying it out? No, I. For for everyone listening at home or in your car or wherever at work, um, Paul and I are uh, are doing Robert De Niro faces, and I think you should uh, take this as an opportunity to just do one too. You know, it's, real, it's really simple. Just you gotta kind of like squint your eyes, squint your eyes, pull, pull seem your, unhappy. Like you like, smell something bad, but you're not ready to uh, address it until you get more of a handle on what the smell is. You know, you're like. Huh. Huh. 
I don't like it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, did you it's know, not a happy face. The, the guy who played uh, Philip Testa is named Larry Romano, but is not related yeah. to Ray Romano. There's a lot of Romanos I'm finding out. Yeah, I feel like there's a Parmigiano. I really thought that all Romanos were in one big family that everyone loved. But alas. Yeah. I mean, he was on The King of Queens, which I feel like is similar to like Everybody Loves Raymond. Did you know, um, the, yeah, uh, Gary Pastor played Albert Anastasia, who was, um, not related to the, uh, Russian princess. Oh, okay. Yeah. You would have thought that, um, but no. He's also, of course, known as the one-man army Mad Hatter, Lord High Executioner. So this guy's pretty cool. Who is that? Um, Albert Anastasia. Anastasia. An- Anastasia. Yeah. Yeah, it's more it's more Italian than I realized. Um. Yeah. So, how did you feel overall on the film? Because I feel like we could we could spend a whole three and a half hours trying to actually break down the the plot. Oh, you want to know how I thought about the movie? I I thought you know, at first I was like, hmm, I want some steak. And then I was like, ooh, I want some Philly cheesesteak. And then I was like, oh, you know what? Give me a spaghetti with a meatball. A spicy... A spicy spaghetti with a meatball. But then, you know, towards the end of it, all I wanted was um, some sort of um, Irish stew with a pint of stout and a a, a mackerel or a lamb, you know? And then at the end, you know, by the end of that movie, I didn't really want to eat anything at all. That's how I felt. Sure. Uh, That's a... An interesting uh, review tactic is to just describe a bunch of foods that you wanted to eat while watching the movie. Yeah. Well, they were eating all that food, you know? And they did like, eat a lot of food. Um, but I, then you're in that nursing home and you're like, no, nah, I don't want any of that food. Yeah. So, so for me, it was weird because I just watched The Departed for like the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was coming right off of a Scorsese uh, masterpiece, some would say. Um, and Departed was good. The The Departed was good. Um, but I, I feel like going into The Irishman, I feel like The Departed was so high tension the entire time, and The Irishman was like pretty much of a, like a slow burn, is how I would describe it. Um, yeah. Especially the second half. But really, I felt like the second half, um, well, maybe not the second half, but more so the 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 like final quarter of the film just sped by, you know, like the the movie goes once, very, once, very slow. Once the deed was done or like well, once they'd set the I, stage, for, I, already, I already I already I already spoiled it like 10 minutes into this. OK, fine. Once after the house was painted with Jimmy Hoffa's blood. Via bullets and, and brain guts. Um, yeah, I, once 
I the feel... real life Gibbs were spread around the house. Yeah, I feel like the pacing there was kind of like because they were like, you know, everybody's old and dying and are going to yeah. jail. Well, it's like, you know, it feels like sometimes you think your best friend's Joe Pesci, but then really, your best friend's Jimmy Hoffa. And then your best friend. Get, once one of your best friends wants you to kill your other best friend, and you think, "Well, they're my best friend, and they're my best friend first, so I should listen to them." But really, sometimes you should really listen to your newer best friend because well, but it's some a- are silver and some are gold, and neither one you should shoot in a house, right? But so- but sometimes your one best friend that you met first is connected to some very powerful mob people. And your other best friend has lost pretty much all the power that he once had, for the most part. I mean, he's still pretty yeah. popular and well liked, but like. But wouldn't it be great? Why wasn't Robert De Niro just being like, "Hey, buddy, buddy, I know you think this is for a goof that they're just you know you push and you push back." I mean, I guess he did, but then he definitely as as close as you could when you're Irish, right? Because that's yeah, the whole he, thing, is that they're both Irish, and they don't want to, like, be open-open with each other. So, like, he, he kind of, like, did his best job to be like, hey, look, man, they're going to kill you. Yeah, it's that thing when you're, like, an old guy that just kills people instead of dealing with issues. Um, that What's that called? Uh, Irish. Tonic. <laughs> the whole... If only Scorsese would really confront all this latent toxic masculinity in his movies. Man. If only he could really get into We should save the discourse for later. (laughs) Now, fuck it. The discourse is interwoven, my friend. Let's get into it, man. So I I tweeted about this the other day, um, right after watching this movie. But I remember, like, going into this movie... With the discourse being that, like, because Scorsese talked shit about Marvel movies, a bunch of people trying to dunk on Scorsese for only making mob films that glorified bad men and violence and all this other stuff that his movies supposedly do. Um, Which, A, I feel like misses the point of, like, the, at this point, three Scorsese films that I've seen. So I've not seen his whole oeuvre, um, which... Definitely includes more than just mob films. Not that I've seen any of those. Um, But, like, Taxi Driver is not a film that glorifies violence. And, like, the mob's not really in it at all. I mean, there's some Mm. pimps, I guess. But... Yeah, but they're not mafia. Right. But it doesn't, doesn't, like, glorify violence. There is one mafia member. And it's um, one of the guys... It's, like, the, the... I don't... The guy that's... In the room with the child prostitute. Right. Like the John uh, that he murders is right. a, mafia a mafia person. Guy. That's why in the chatter at the end where they declare Travis Bickle as a hero, when the entire subtext of the film is that he's very far from, from a hero. hero yeah. Uh, is that part of the reason he's hailed as a hero is because he killed like a notorious mafia boss. Mafia boss. Okay. Um, but like... I, who, so, was, who was having sex with a child. Yeah, and then um, John Hinckley Jr. tried to kill Reagan. Um, Which, 
hey, I know I'm late to this, but like, hey, it's not good. It's not. It's fucking. It's awful. No one should idolize Travis Bickle. He's not even a character. He's more of like a reaction. Um, he has no personality. He's uh, whatever. But that's bad. Do not emulate in any way. No one should see Taxi Driver and think, oh, I'm going to try and be fucking Travis Bickle to impress Jodie Foster. Because Jodie Foster's character isn't even fucking impressed in the movie. Anyway, there's so many things wrong with that. It's terrible. However, shooting Reagan was a great idea. (laughs) He just did not follow through. I mean, he did. He did follow through. He just didn't do it successfully. He didn't shoot Reagan good enough. And I guess what I'm saying is, like, I'm not super... I'm not supportive of the road that led there, but I like where he got. I just wish the view was a little better, if you know what I'm saying. Right. Well, it's like when somebody does a math problem... And they get the right answer. Like, they get the and right then they're answer. Like two plus two equals four. I should go murder Reagan. Well, I was thinking more of like you know, two, uh, you get like two plus two equals. You get four, but like they do all this other math that doesn't really make sense. But you're like, well, the final answer was like not incorrect. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not wrong. You just should have killed Reagan because then maybe think, everything would be better now. I don't know if that's true, but um. Well, Reagan would have died. So, yeah, it'd probably be worse. It'd it's, probably be exactly the same. This is the plot to 112263 somehow. Um, but so the, the 1120, the Stephen King, where the guy tries to prevent the death of JFK. Oh, and that's. Makes did you bad. read the book or watch the miniseries? Uh, neither. I read the Wikipedia oh. plot synopsis of both. <laughs> All right. What's the up? miniseries was very stupid. Yeah. Um, but, but so, like, going into this film and going into the departed you know you you have these expectations of scorsese's films is based off of the discourse around them um and yet like i could not watch the irishman and and think that the only time that you even like the the only time that he lingers on a violent act or shoots a violent act in a way that is like at all uh, n- none of it's like idolizing it, but the only time, like everything is so quick. Like anytime Frank carries out a hit, it's, it's, it's literally like pop, pop, walk away. And there's like very little throw the gun in the river. Yeah. And there's very little focus on the actual act of violence. And yet like, because this whole thing came out about like the Marvel movies, all I can think of is like, the every Marvel movie having like a long action sequence that revels in like the back and forth tussle of like superheroes, which is like the genre, right? But like, mm-hmm. well, and that's the thing to bring it back to the Joker that that um, why I didn't think it was good was that the comparisons they were drawing between Taxi Driver and Joker and the whole thing about taxi driver is that Travis doesn't even like hurt anyone until the end of the movie the end of the movie he kills three people and that's like the climax of the movie wherein Joker killing three people is like the inciting incident yeah that's like when he becomes the Joker yeah which is downplaying like the murder and violence so much the thing that, yeah, in this, the the gunshots were 
pretty subtle, fairly quiet. The violence was largely minimal, except kind of highlighting the blood spilled on the houses and, and bringing to a point the painting houses bit. Except, and the, the, the main thing that, um, the scene where they really lingered on the violence. Um, is, is the well, which actually the, I think the shortest the shortest like scene of violence in it is when um, Frank actually murders, murders Jimmy Hoffa. Hoffa, yeah. yeah, it's it's like done in a second. It's it's almost like like yeah, it literally is just like he says, "All right, like let's go," and then it's just like boom, boom. Gun they on spend the more time talking out. about the proper way to transport a fish, yeah, than they do. It, it actually showing the murder. Right. Um, Which is the point of it. But yeah, the longest scene is when um, he like we learn why his daughter hates him. Right. When he does like beat the shit out of that grocer for pushing his daughter. Right. And like knocks him on the street, throws him through a window, and then like stomps on his hand. And it lingers on that. Just but it's like the whole point is to drive home the fact that like his, his like daughter was just like. She's a little upset. She was like, what, seven, eight? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I'm terrible at children's ages. She was somewhere between, I'd say, six and 12. Yeah, but like young. Um, and, and he just was like, all right, you're coming with me. And then just took her to the store so that he, she could watch him beat up this grocer. Yeah. And... Honestly, like that's probably the the least bad violence in the movie. Like, I don't think they really portray anyone else being injured without being murdered, right? Um, there's the guy he threatens with the gun for the first time, but that guy doesn't even get injured. He just gets a gun pointed at him in a brown paper bag. Yeah, that's it. Everybody and else yeah, is pretty much just killed. That's because that, like, you know, him, him beating up fucking destroying the hand of that grocer is like one of the most important character moments right well i mean it it really it's the whole point is like drive home this like transformation from a guy who delivers meat to like this is what he does now Mm -hmm. he's like he's like in with these people and he is uh gonna resort to their tactics to uh you know, get what he wants out of it. And I guess the, you can, of course, criticize how minimal and underwritten uh, the <coughs> parts for women are in this. But the entire thing is that he, like, is, I think, a result of the, like, portrayal of toxic masculinity within the narrative, where his daughters don't have many lines of dialogue because they don't talk to him. Right. Or, and when they do, like, it's uh, his one daughter basically fucking destroying him of being like, you didn't take yeah. care of us. You, you thought you were taking care of us, um, and instead you just, like, weren't there the entirety of our lives. Um, and even even with, like, his his wife, the way the wives are portrayed largely seems like a lot of it's very loveless and, and presented as a chore on both ends, you well, know? Yeah. They're just, it, yeah, it seems like they're distant. There's just distance between them. 
um, all of them, right? Like between um, Pesci's wife and him and between De Niro's wife and both of his wives, I guess. Um, yeah. Like the only- and that's his second wife. That's Frank's second wife and Pesci's first, I believe. Yeah, but, but like in, in that... Well, that we know in the movie. He's right. older. Um, but, the, but then that whole thing is contrasted with like when he makes friends with Jimmy Hoffa and Jimmy Hoffa immediately, like Jimmy Hoffa, A, gets along great with his family. Mm-hmm. Like they're seen actually like having like family time. Yeah. Um, and then like also like uh, Peggy, the, the, the child who um, Robert De Niro's kid who he beats up the grocer for like immediately. Who also who who she cannot stand Joe Pesci. Right, because Pesci or is... Or really any of the mafia people. Well, because they're, like, slimy. Like, I mean, it's that thing that Riley, um, our friend Riley, complained about the entire time. It's, like, kind of how creepy he came off to her. Yeah. Um, well, and I think... I don't... The, the way the Joe Pesci... <laughs> I mean, one, I think she had a point about all all the... just Just how, like different i feel like depictions of of older men and older people around children are compared to today yeah like in um mad men when there's an episode where like a neighbor like spanks one of the kids like that isn't theirs yeah they just like this be the kid yeah yeah the disciplining or beating like other children used to be part of it like i don't entirely that is something that to me seems true to the period and true to the people. Um, because I've seen plenty of other portrayals of, of these kind of like child family friend things that I don't think are like in any way intended to be like sexual or perverse, but are just very like strange compared to how people of our generation, um, are yeah i well this takes place mostly in the what 70s six six, uh yeah 60s and 70s yeah i mean when did hoffa disappear hoffa disappeared in the 80s right i thought it was late 70s 79 or something uh 75 is when he disappeared but he's declared dead in 82 yeah um but yeah to sorry to go back to that point um yeah, I do think that the whole thing about Pesci was that, and I think it's kind of the impetus for his relationship with Frank, is that he was unable to have kids. And so, one, that's why he became, in many ways, like an older brother, father figure to Frank, but also wanted so much um, to get some kind of like love and approval from Frank's daughter, Peggy, and she would not give it to him. Yeah. Like, he put so much on her. Well, not in any way trying to, like, speak her language or understand. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a completely one-sided, like, relationship there. But but that's largely true of um, his relationship with Frank as well. You know, he gives Frank things. He does things for Frank. But when does he, you know, I don't think he saw him in any way as an equal. Well, the, all their relationships are transactional. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's the, that's the thing is that like there's that whole scene of him going to the laundromat that Joe Pesci's character like kind of operates out of or whatever. Um, and it's all these people coming in who are like asking Joe Pesci for like a favor or like, yeah. Hey, can you get rid of this money or whatever? Um, and that's like the thing is like all those relationships are purely like based on a pi- uh, power dynamics and it's all purely like what can this person do for me slash what can I do for them so that they'll owe me. Yeah. And there's no for all the talk of this like family. There's very little f- family actually going on except for. When we get to see the scenes between Pacino and Frank. Right. I mean, you know, Hoffa and Frank. Because it's, you know, they are, Frank is working for him, but they do genuinely have a bond. Oh, yeah. They, like, they're friendly with each other. There's, um, I mean, the, the, the final shot of the movie right is is along with everything else but like really just like nails home the fact that like Hoffa was like Frank's probably only like real friend mhm the only one that he could they found a way you know cuz i really thought it was weirdly sweet just the scenes of them like sleeping in the same bedroom all the time yeah like they di- they did have that kind of like brother relationship like a, a mutual equal brother relationship that he never got with uh joe pesci's character with right Buffalino. hey just real quick uh sidebar i read i was reading recently um about the novelization of the original star wars movie and how um it includes a preface um briefly explaining um Emperor Palpatine's rise to power and uh, George Lucas spoke on it and said that and there's some things that are different and he said George Lucas said that when he originally plotted out the prequels um, you know way before the 90s uh, he had modeled Palpatine off of Nixon okay so so I'm just wondering if there is like an old script rough draft of um, the prequels where the Trade Federation has like their Jimmy Hoffa. You mean Newt Gungray is uh, Jimmy <laughs> Hoffa? Newt Gungray gets like murked by Anakin Skywalker, <laughs> and that leads him to become, <laughs> you know, kind of on the path, much like the Irishman of Darth Vader. I feel like it'd be more later. I feel like it would be more uh, Anakin, like, killing the Padawans is akin to um, Frank Kill and Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah, I'm imagining a big, you know, big revision. In this case, children are not Jedi. The the Jedi don't do that creepy-ass shit where they kidnap kids and then brainwash them. Okay. You you, You don't think that's cool? You don't think that leads to a nice little parallel with the First Order kidnapping kids and brainwashing them and the new ones? But the First Order is bad. Yeah, the Jedi are bad. 
that is the only narrative in which it makes sense. Right. But I don't think George Lucas intentionally wrote the Jedi as bad when he did that. I, I mean, I don't know. You think so? I, I think that, like, if you're one of the people who has, like, faith that, like, the, the prequels are uh, flawless pieces of art. Um, which no one has that unless it's a bit. Right. Uh the Jedi are bad in the sense that they like absolutely like the Jedi are the current Dems in power. Okay. I, but right, right. Like, sure, like Mace, sure. Mace Windu is Nancy Pelosi. Yeah. But I think George Lucas is just like, yeah, they're right. Because if, if that were the case, wouldn't Anakin like not just kill them all? If they were at any point attempting to highlight Jedi as the as the bad people, wouldn't Anakin be a, a, written as in any way more empathetic than just I don't they won't let me do stuff? Yeah, or complaining about sand. Yeah, I get it. Sand sucks. I don't like sand either. I hate it. It's coarse and it gets everywhere. I mean, it's. I think it is good that. Um, with her like dying breath that Padme must have remembered Anakin saying that he doesn't like sand and so she had Luke put on the big sand planet mm-hmm. where Darth Vader is like not going to go visit because he doesn't like it Mm-hmm. yeah hey um, speaking of that uh, let's take a break and we need to play a uh, ad by our new sponsor uh, Gillette Mach 3 Star Wars, uh, Rise of the Rise of Skywalker presents Seven Bladed Bur- Bur- <laughs> Razor, uh, featuring Burma Shave. Bur- Bur- what is it? Yeah, it's it. All right, we'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Think. You just heard a word from our sponsor, Star Wars brand Gillette Razor Rise of Skywalker presents a Star Wars story featuring Burma Shave. Perfect. Yeah. I think uh, we're getting that sweet, 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 sweet existing Burma Shave money. Do we find out if they exist or not? Uh, they don't. You think it's because they spent all their advertising money on those billboards? Yeah, man. It's like, just get one billboard. You're wasting all your money. And a bunch of people were like, I'm in the middle of the desert. Like, I don't need Burma Shave. I'll just go, like, rub my face on a cactus. That's a lot. People don't know that, that you don't actually need shaving cream or a razor. You could just rub your face on a cactus and your hair gets out. Yeah. Um... So what else? Let's did, get, what let's else get to the real Burma shave of the matter. I'm talking about how they spend like seven hours. No, it's definitely more than that. They're going from Philly to Detroit. That's like probably a 12 hour drive. Yeah. What uh, the structure of the movie is really interesting because it's like a frame narrative in a frame narrative. Right. Is the frame the frame narrative is is old De Niro is can, old Frank Sheeran confessing i think to a priest is he is it a priest i thought he was just talking uh, it's it's unclear if he's 
because the ending seems to indicate that he might have been, but it's he might have been talking to that priest the entire time. Okay, I'll buy that. I didn't, but but he may have also just been like talking to people in the old folks' home, or maybe to a. I guess it could feasibly have said like, oh, he's talking to the guy who wrote the book, right? Yeah, or it could be he's. An old man telling a story that, as we now know, has been largely discredited as uh, not being real. And he's telling this to literally anyone who will listen. About his good friend, Jimmy Hoffa. His good friend who he murdered, Jimmy Hoffa. So that's the frame narrative. And then inside of that frame narrative, he's talking about this car ride that he took with Joe Pesci and their wives. To go to a friend's wedding in 1975. Which, and then through that, he's also there's chronologically telling the story of how he how he became a house painter. Right. And then eventually it's revealed that the, the wedding that they're going to is also uh, a setup for... When you killed... When he got killed, Jimmy yeah, Hoffa. for Frank to get on a flight to Detroit to kill Jimmy Hoffa. Which, hey, I mean, I know, I know, Frank is going to get a lot of shade for this. He's probably going to get canceled for this one. Um, but sometimes you gotta kill Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah, it's a hard job, but somebody's got to do it. Jimmy Hoffa ain't going to kill himself. That's that's the real lesson here. Um Do you think okay. Do you think? First off, no, I don't think. No, you do. You th- you think. <laughs> hey. Do you Would you like to be murdered by one of your best friends or by a stranger? I don't know. I guess if I had to pick Paul, let's say you're getting murdered. A stranger or one of your best friends? I guess one of my best friends. I mean, statistically, it's going to be Jeff. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to interrupt this episode, I think, to, to relate a message that John Massey, friend of the friend of the pod, just friend messaged pod. me. Uh, they, he got third place in Elf Trivia. Yes, he invited me, but we had to do this instead. At, and it was very hard for me to prioritize this podcast over Elf Trivia. Elf Trivia at the Elf theme bar. Elfed yes, up. it's it's right. It's in Wrigleyville. It's right across the street from um, Johnny Poppycocks or whatever the soon to be closed Cleveland Browns bar is. Okay. Well, it's like it's not it's like it's like Jackie Shamrock or or something. It's an Irish pub. Mm-hmm. Let me look up the actual name because it's something um, very silly that I went and oh my god, it was so loud and there John Barleycorn. Oh Barleycorn. John Barleycorn in Wrigleyville. There used to be a uh Barleycorn's and Anderson? Yeah, but I don't think that's the same thing. I don't know. It's not. John was not involved in that one. <coughs> Sorry. 
um, because that, that was just barley corns. I almost choked on a um, mozzarella stick there once, buddy. I, gotta, I, I didn't. Almost, I, I know they're good. They're real good. But you can't. You can't. You can't. You got to slow down. You got to enjoy those mozzarella sticks. Man, did you see the new MacBook? I know we're getting real off topic here, but the new, not MacBook, sorry, the new Mac Pro, um, if you put all the stuff on there, Mm -hmm. it's like $54,000. Yeah. Yeah. But like, that's a lot. That's how much the previous ones were, basically. Were they that expensive if you put all the things in there? If you had everything, this is like, what they're trying to do. Is if you buy like two of those, that's how you can de-age Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. Oh, is that what they use? Yeah, they're like it's it, Max made for production houses that are like rendering. Okay, effects I guess, for multi-million-dollar movies. I guess that explain, explains why you need 1.5 terabytes of RAM. Is, is yeah, because if you're trying to make Robert De Niro look not like a 20-year-old Robert De Niro, but like. 50-year-old Robert De Niro as a 20-year-old, which is what people looked like in the 30s and 40s. Yeah. I mean, 50s. I, I, I think that what what really what happened here is that the way this works is that it takes the old Robert De Niro and mm-hmm. it stores it in the RAM. Right? Sort of yeah. like a portrait of Dorian Gray situation. It, it it absorbs the old from Robert De Niro, uh, so he appears young for just a time. Um, just and, a time, don't and, we all? And if they, bro, you really want to get into it, don't we all just appear young for a time? Yeah. yeah. Um, and if they had a full two terabytes of RAM, I think they could have fixed the fact that he still stands like an old guy. Yeah. Well, I think here's the thing that I just want to say real quick. I am 27, and I feel like I stand and move very often like a much older person. Maybe. Like, right now, right now I'm slightly hunched, and my back hurts. And if I were to have to stand up right now, I would make a very loud groaning sound. I mean, I definitely do that, too, but, like... Yeah, well, that's not something you, you want to think that young people do. You think that's an old man move, but all our bodies just turn to shit after 25. I blame the chemtrails. I can't stop blaming the chemtrails for everything. I wake up in the morning, and I'm like, oh, God, I didn't get a good night's sleep. Goddamn chemtrails. It's, it's the government coming in and putting the chemtrails into my humidifier. Yeah, chemtrails in my coffee. That's my favorite. There were chemtrails in my coffee. I'm I'm so vain. I probably think these chemtrails are for me. Uh, Yeah. I had a dream there were chemtrails in my coffee. Man, that's our t-shirt. We're going to make merch and it's chemtrails in our coffee. God. That has to be a we, thing, right? We we should. Um, I don't. If it's not a thing, we're making it a thing. Also, hey, um, I'm, do you want to do you want to make a theme parody album? Um, we should probably just record like <laughs> a theme parody album, right? Yeah, 
I don't know what that means. You mean like a musical album or like a parody yeah. of this podcast? Both. Skits. <laughs> we have skits. We're, we have we're, songs. We're bringing. We have Weird Al style goofs on uh, popular songs, past and present, oh, future. Man, <laughs> maybe I, I don't know. I found a video that says three feet up, chemtrails in my coffee." Please tell me more. Um, hey, I don't want to sound like the T birds here, but tell me more. Tell me more. Oh boy, uh, I'm, well, I'm just gonna go ahead and drop this into the. I'm gonna put, go ahead and put this into the Think Discourse. The discord um so that anybody who is a patreon fan can um watch this video Um, okay yes all right this is a new song written by chris victoria hardy recorded live in their house in 2009 that is a steinberg x P2 strung up as a piccolo bass that i'm playing that he's playing there once again their chihuahua taco had to be in the video these seem like a cute, fun couple. This has I'm, 2,000 I, views. Yeah. This <laughs> this singular video is more successful than our podcast. Which... Um, it's had 10 years, though. It's had 10 years. You give us 10 <laughs> years, and you wait till we do a Think the Band cover of Kim Trails in our coffee. I I kind of appreciate that this person is playing the this piccolo stand up drums yeah and the stand up drums is a good move and this yeah this is a strange looking guitar yeah well it's a headless that's the steinberger thing uh speaking of steinberger <laughs> all right we do we have any closing points we'd like to make about the irishman what was our assignment for the class um, I honestly don't remember. I forgot we were taking a class. What? <laughs> that movie was so long, I forgot about the class. Oh, man. I uh, think... Well, you haven't seen Goodfellas. We can't compare it to Goodfellas. I how saw The you, Departed. Um, yeah, how would... Okay, let's let's. I like The Departed in, more. Okay, why did you like The Departed more? I think it was more fun. Of course it's more fun. The Irishman's a sad one. Plus it had more Boston accents in it. Which Very I, few Boston accents in this movie set in Philly and Chicago. I will that is one mark against it. Right. Um and there were more honestly, if I had to be completely honest, mm-hmm. um, no lies here. It's called the Irishman. Technically I think there were two Irishmen. Um, but the departed had Frank more. Frank Sheeran and JFK. Oh, there were, I guess there were a couple of Irishmen. There are two, yeah. But um, there's some Irishmen in uh, the, departed, the departed too. The de- that's what I'm saying. The departed had more Irishmen. You got Jack Nicholson. He's Irish. You got Mark Wahlberg. You got Alec Baldwin. You got uh, Billy Baldwin. Stephen Baldwin. Bobby Baldwin. You got Polly Shaw. <laughs> He's not in that. No, but I was talking about Biodome. Oh, man. I was thinking it'd be really funny if, like, you were watching The Irishman and then fell asleep and woke up <laughs> and, like, Encino Man came on and then you just got really confused. <laughs> the. <laughs> 
that Frank Sheeran was like getting a pool installed in his house when they unearthed a frozen Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah, this is this is this is a movie about the Irishman uh, is about uh, Frank Sheeran uh, waking up a thousand years into the future. And now he looks even younger because he's played by Brendan Fraser. Wait, um, is, is what's Hoffa? What's he's Hoffa? Irish. I right? thought he was Irish because isn't that the whole thing? Is that he and um, he and Frank got along pretty well because they're Irish. Well, I know that the Joe Pesci and um, Joe Pesci's Italian. Joe Pesci and and uh, sorry, the Buffalino and Sheeran got along. <laughs> Because they were both Sicilian. Because Sheeran was supposed to be... His mom was from Sicily, I believe. But it's saying that Hoffa was also Irish. So, I posit that since the Irishman isn't real, we make the Irishman 2, which is a remake of Encino Man. Okay. Where the nursing home where old Frank Sheeran lives... Okay, this is getting a pool installed where they find the the status body of Jimmy Hoffa, okay. who's you know still old, but not like Frank Sheeran old. And Frank Sheeran, who's uh, very lonely, his family won't talk to him, has just like really lost all purpose and connection to the outside world, has to learn to love again by teaching Jimmy Hoffa. How to get used now to reanimated to how to like deal in the modern world? Um, okay, let me hit you with this, and thus reconciles with his daughter. Really, it's a perfect sequel. Yes, let me add another movie into the mix, Bubba okay. Ho- Bubba Hotop. Because okay, so is, is this pl- the Irishman three? No, this is this is still the Irishman two, and set in the nursing okay. home. Because uh, Frank's only friend in the nursing home is a black man who swears that he used to be JFK. That's and perfect. It works, in, it works perfectly. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it goes in. I think it fits in perfectly. That's literally a plot plot part of Bubba Hotep. But you listen, take that I, wholesale. I think, I think we need to save that for the Irishman three. I think it should be the Irishman three colon Bubba Hotep two. Okay. Right? Yeah, well, we gotta we gotta work in Bruce Campbell somehow. He's Elvis again. He's like the ghost of Elvis. It's Jimmy Hoffa Jimmy Hoffa could talk to ghosts now since he's been oh my God, reanimated. Yeah, yeah it, he, the the shots didn't kill him, and the the, <laughs> the fire uh, actually froze him. When they tried to cremate him, they actually froze him. <laughs> And so he he crossed over to the other side, but he came back, and now he can talk to ghosts. It, you know what? It makes sense to me. Yeah, I think I think we got it. I think, yeah, I think we got. I think we have enough of an outline for. Let me hit you. The with Irishman the, two, Irish, and Irish, the Irishman or, three, Irishman, Irishman. Yeah, hit me with it. I, that's what I'm saying. Irishman two. The the tagline is Irishman. Like he's more okay. Irish, like, um, like Die Hard. Irishman, Irishman to uh, Irish Boogaloo, Irish Manor, Electric River Dance. 
Mm. We'll work. Irish, that. Irish manish. Yeah. Irish Manning. <laughs> it's Peyton Manning doing really bad Irish <laughs> accent the entire time. Um, the running Irishman. The Irishing man. It's like the running man, but um, but he's Irish. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. I think I think this is the end of the episode, Paul. Yeah, I'm I'm tired. You're blue. Um, I mean, th- we should do probably got to do final episode to close out the semester. On oh, yeah. on um. We should at least attempt to revisit something science fictiony, or SF. Oh, of, of course, we're gonna do. We're gonna have one more and a Christmas special, and then um, we're gonna have a surprise episode after the Christmas special. Yeah, I wonder what that could possibly be. I wish I could remember. Right, is this a bit? We'll talk about it off mic. Okay. You got anything you want to plug? Um, no, not really. Me either. Well, uh, cool. It's patreon.com slash theme, but yeah. I already did that earlier. Now let's do it again. We got stickers. If you want stickers, reach out to us. Oh yeah, I, I do have stickers. Um, I put one on my, Th- my pedal case. Nice. So if you see, uh, if themes you see the podcast me, on, sorry, you continue. I was going to say, if you see me play live music, you will see. I think the sticker podcast available. And if you see him play dead music, get the fuck out of there. If you see me play Insano Man music, I don't know what that sounds like. Did you say Insano Man? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce the name of that movie. Man, that's awesome. (laughs) Insano Man's a great... We're gonna... Okay, we gotta talk about that, too. Um, Hey, Think the Podcast on Twitter and... uh, YouTube and uh, Instagram, Instagram and, and Facebook, Stitcher Radio, uh, Google Play. We're fucking, we're fucking everywhere, baby. Look for our stickers in your local coffee shops. We're on Spotify. <laughs> I don't know uh, if that's true until, or not. That is true. We are on Spotify. Cool. Um, until next time, don't think too hard without us. There was another cool tagline that we had, but I forgot it. Put on your Thimpkin hats because you're about to get hit over the head with some learning. No, there's another one. You figure it out. I got mine. That was something about. Um, I go listen to like the last episode or two episodes ago, and just imagine that I said that cool tagline again. <laughs> Bye. Bye.